everyone, it's episode 306, 306, that's a lot. And you know, this week was, speaking of grace, was episode 100. Ooh. 100 mm. messages are out wow. there in the wild. <laughs> so you're so, saying since I've been here. A little bit before. We started before. just a couple months, I think, before you started, okay. or a couple weeks even. It wasn't yeah. long that we had started putting the message out as a podcast every week. Hmm. And uh, it's already up to, epi- this was episode 100. That one snuck up on me. Oh, I was going to say, it's probably been more than that then. I'm <laughs> guessing that it's been with a cu- more than a couple weeks before, yeah. if Maybe you're at 100. A, well, yeah, because you I haven't been, been here you know, a full, full year, year yet. yet. And no, so unless it's been, you're putting out two episodes a week, then... No, I don't think we've no. ever done a bonus episode. That's no. just straight up. If there's no message... So it was about a year before I got here About then. a year. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Okay, that's about right. All right, well, that kind of took me off guard. And then this week, it's nice because it hasn't been since, what has it been, two or three weeks since church retreat. I've lost track now. Two. So Jeff is back with us, and I don't know what's (laughs) happened to the last couple weeks. It was my wife's birthday this week, and so you know how that, there's planning, there's people. Yeah. Yeah. We brought in outside talent from the homeland, the motherland of Wisconsin, and one of her favorite cousins surprised her after church. Well, That's good. nice. With a couple days here. So it's been nice. So happy birthday, Heather. Even though I know you won't hear this, <laughs> maybe someone else will say, hey, I heard it was your birthday on the podcast. So your if you see Heather. loves you. There you go. Randy loves you. And if you could just let Heather know that, that would be awesome, guys. So if he's here in church this week at the ministry table, no barriers, just go up and say, hey. When was her was birthday again? When? Her birthday was actually yesterday. The yesterday. Yeah. Okay. Yep. So Come, yeah. April 11th. So, it, you know, for me, it's 11th. And then it's... Uh, Ellie's 25th, Emily's 27th, and you got Mother's Day, and it's like... You know, in church life, you're like, oh, you know, Christmas is a busy time, and then there's Easter, and before that, and it's like, when does it slow down? It never does. It doesn't seem like it. And speaking of not slowing down and maybe things a little unpleasant, today we're going to open with something we haven't referenced in quite a while here on the podcast. Uh And so I felt like this was like the moment that we had to come back. Early on in Ken's message, he kind of went through, uh, well, we've been, this is week four, but this is commandment three. Three, right. See, It's a little tricky. Yeah, but I'm on it now. You're not going to, you can't shake me now. Although (laughs) this week Easter is going to have nothing to do with it. And then we're going to be. Actually it does. Does it? Oh, it is. Well, now I'm going to be way confused. No, because see, uh, this is kind of fun. And Oh, should I save it for the end of the podcast or should I say it now? Let's tease it. Tease it now? Want to tease it now and then, or can you tease yeah, a can, little and then I can tease a little drop bit. the rest on them? So the fourth commandment is the commandment we're, there, we're on. So how would you tie that into Easter? Mm, that would be Easter rest. Mm. Back to creation. You know, we as Seventh-day Adventists, we go to church on Saturday. And so yeah. on Easter weekend, we are always celebrating <laughs> a day early. Easter the, <laughs> a day, the day before, right? And yet that the fourth commandment talks about the Sabbath. So it should be kind of fun. Maybe you'll learn something. Uh, the title of the sermon is The Rest of Jesus. Oh, I see what you did there. Oh, did you? Uh, last <laughs> week, Ellie figured out what oh, the uh, okay. love at work. Oh, yeah. Oh, that is like, oh, that's great. Yeah, I'm like, she's like, oh, Ken. And she's looking over my shoulder on my big <laughs> monitor as I'm editing at home. And she's like, love at work. And she's like, we're talking about the... Oh, Ken. She's like, I see what you did there. And I'm like, you mean you hadn't picked that up? She's like, no, I hadn't, but I do now. So okay. if you hadn't, you know, yeah. law is love at work. You know, Ten Commandments, yeah. the law. Gotcha. 
What love lo- looks like in action. Looks like in action. Yeah. So here we go. Courtesy of the Amplified Bible, we bring back our one of our favorite segments, the Velvet Sledgehammer, <laughs> because Exodus 20, verse 7, from the Amplified Do you version, have a sound effect for that, by the way? I'm, I need to put one in, don't you, I? You do. You need to come up with like a Velvet Sledgehammer, sledgehammer sound I, effect. And I can program it in the board. So every time we yeah, come to it, just we'll just, it. We'll just pop just, it in there. I don't think every time. I think just when you're about, when we're about to go to something that you think is the Velvet, so just, I just, can just punch the I button. I can just punch the button and do it. And then All right, we're gonna it's to, velvet it's sledgehammer time. Because <laughs> it's a not quite a ding, like metal to metal. No, no, definitely not a ding. It's kind of a thump. It's more of a, th- like a muted thud. All right, so I'm going to have to get I'll have to get a couple of these worked out and run them past you and make sure we get a, <laughs> approval on this. I think you should find a sledgehammer, put velvet on the end of it, slam it and into just, something, record I, it, and I see what I can see it's, him doing it at home now. Yeah, that's yeah. it. Oh, well, that's it. I'm doing it now. Yeah. That's it. We're going to have to record this in real time and make it our own. some fabric from his wife. <laughs> she must have something that'll make a thud, right? Yeah. Other than my head? Yeah. All I have to say is this has been uh, about two minutes well spent. You know, of course, of course. So Exodus 20, verse 7, and Ken brought out three different versions, but it was really the ample Bible that got me. It reads, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, that is, irreverently, in false affirmations, or in ways that impugn the character of God, for the Lord will not hold guiltless nor leave unpunished the one who takes his name in vain, disregarding its reverence and its power. And I'm like, all right, irreverently, false affirmation, ways that impugn the character of God, disregarding its reference and its power. That's a ton more than I think we've ever believed this to say. At least me uh, growing up never was taught that this might be more than just using, you know, trying to insert a veggie cuss word whenever you yeah. could to make everything right and proper. But maybe that's a whole lot more to think about and try to avoid it. Sounds like a, a steep, like a steep ask for just mere mortals. To, I mean, <laughs> oh, maybe that. Oh, my wife. Oh, yeah, that's, oh. I, there we go. Here, I thought it was Hopefully someone. Hopefully, we can edit. Maybe she called. Maybe she was calling with the answer. Did you think about that? <laughs> maybe we should have answered that call. How do we know if you don't even know for sure what God is? What might impugn His character, or what? What would be disregarding His reverence and power? I, that seems like it's hard to know what to do if you don't really completely know God. Yeah. And that's why I think that it's where Jesus takes all the commandments, right? When he starts talking about, you know, to hate somebody is to murder them, so on and so forth, it's one of those things that the Ten Commandments are so much deeper than they seem on the surface level. And so I think it's it's not a bad thing for us to be aware of that. I think it's also not a bad thing for us to be aware that Jesus, this is the reason why we need Jesus, because... Oh, yeah. The Pharisees thought that they, by just following the letter of the law, that they were following the law. They thought that they were that they were sinless, they were guiltless, and yet Jesus basically points out to them, "You can't follow the law. You cannot do it perfectly. You have to have me. Mm. Uh, without me, you can't do it." And, and so that's that's kind of where I want to go with this. Is as opposed to thinking, "Oh, there's more rules to follow. Life is going to be so much harder." My point is not that. My point is. Let's just understand what it really means to keep the law when we start talking about keeping the law. It's not just as simple as not just using G-O-D as a swear word or flippantly in conversation. I believe it's those things. Sure, yeah. But it's a lot more than that. And so when we understand that, one of the things we understand is that we really need God's transforming grace in our life to change us. And the other thing I think is important is that we're very careful 
when we make statements on behalf of God. And when we, when we start telling people God is this way, because you better be sure, because as particularly when you're telling people something that doesn't cast God in a particularly good light, that would be impugning somebody's character. So I, you, you ought to be sure that you know what you're talking. That you know what you're talking <laughs> yeah. about on that. And there's a lot of people I think that are way too confident mm. on some of these topics. And you think about the doctrine of eternal torment, the idea that God puts people into everlasting hell for all time. It's a major stumbling block for people. Um, sure. I've had more than a few atheists that have told me in, in conversations with them that it's one of the major things that holds them away from God, that if there is a God and that's what he does, it doesn't make them particularly want to like him or love him. Um, it's not and, the warm and fuzzies you might hope for. Yeah, you know? and they, they can't see where there's justice in in torturing somebody for eternity because they've been naughty for 70, 80, 90, 100 years. That seems excessive. And and so what I would say is, and it's not just that, there's a lot of things that we do. When we mistreat people who are different than us, when we do it in the name of God, mm. when we say... I will discriminate because God doesn't like you, because the Bible tells me so. That's a problem that we need to really be very careful with. Are there things that God doesn't like that society thinks is okay? Absolutely. But let's be really careful about how we go about treating people and the justifications that we use to be unloving. Mm. And so, and so that's what I guess where I would go when we start talking about impugning God's character. When we make whole groups of people, when we treat them poorly, when we are derogatory, when we treat them as if God's grace isn't good enough for them, because they've got a sin that's on the list that we've made up yeah. of worst, that could go into the impugning God's character category. And it tells people something that isn't true about God, and so that's where I think we need to be careful. At the same time, I think you can you can go on the opposite side of things and tell people that don't worry about sin; it's no big deal. And I think that's impugning God's character too. That mm. God cares about justice; okay. He cares about righteousness. So there's the flip side of it as well. Anyway, those are those are all thoughts that kind of roll around in my head as we start talking about what it means to take God's name in vain. Because as we talked about in the sermon, taking somebody's name. In ancient times, it wasn't just you know it wasn't just saying oh Jeff you know it's it it was I was talking about it would be more like um, saying Jeff is a lot of bad things Jeff is this Jeff is that and saying things about him that might not be true yeah or, uh, unpack that yeah. a little bit because that just sounds like you're giving like your resume somehow or your, or your your everything your dna was almost like included in your name from the quote from the rabbi that you had in the message in trying to explain that and i i guess i mean i, I get what you're saying but it seems like there's maybe more that i missed and i don't want anyone else to miss that either because it sounds important yeah the, the metaphor that i used in the sermon was a, is a social security number uh, because social security numbers have a lot of information i mean it's not just it's not just a set of numbers Right, yeah. That, that identifies you. It's it, You give somebody that set of numbers, and suddenly they have access to some of your most personal information, information that can actually hurt you, if, damage you, if it's misused. And in ancient times, that was the same way with a name. 
if you knew somebody's name, you had information that they you could use to damage them, to take advantage of them, to you know, just the same way that you could misuse a social security number, that would be the equivalent of knowing somebody's name in ancient times. And, and, and what I really wanted to point out, and I hope it came out loud and clear in the sermon, is think about that. If you asked me for my social security number off the air, I would say, why? And unless you had a really good reason that that really made sense to you, okay. Randy's about to make some notes. <laughs> okay, I'm, writing it, I'm writing it down. I'm not no, going to no. give it to you. And, <laughs> no. and you guys are friends of mine. I like yeah. you guys, but I'm not going to give you my social security <laughs> number if there's no apparent reason to do so. And yet God has given us his name. He's given it to us. And that talks about the grace, the love, the trust. It's one of those things where if... One of my children, while I wouldn't give you guys my social security number, if Kyle and Eric called me up and said, Dad, I can't tell you why, but I need your social security number, I'd give it to them. Yeah, what else would you And I would it? take my chance. They're my kids. Right. If, you, if you're telling me you need it and you're telling me you can't tell me why, I'm, you know, call me, cra- call, me, call me crazy, <laughs> but I, I trust you're my children. And if you need it that bad, and go. that's the cool thing. That's that's the way God looks at us. He gives us that kind of trust, that kind of love. These He's given us the depths of who He is. You know, we we talk about it from a vulnerability standpoint, but it, there's also, you know, in a sense, God's saying to us too, "You have the most incredible name. Don't waste what you have." It's like. Take the take who I am. I'm, I'm, as a matter of fact, I love the third commandment. I think the third commandment identifies with this journey of love more than any of the other commandments, almost. Mm. Because what it does is it's giving us. By the way, if you're going to make this journey, you need to take me seriously. I'm not flippant about this journey. That I'm not flippant about how I love you. So. It's going to be in your. We always look at this. Oh, I need to do this. I got to stop swearing. Yeah. Or, you know, that's how we think about this as God saying, "Hey, don't do that." But actually, it's God saying, "Please understand the liability that you put yourself in when you casually, yeah, take my name and use this incredible resource that I've given you. This, I'm being vulnerable. I'm letting you have, just like you said to your children." I probably would do the same exact thing. I, if you know, if it's people that I know that I trust or I want to trust, and I believe that this is, I would be that vulnerable. It's like, you know, Tammy and I have talked about this, but I don't carry a gun because I, I think if I were to ever shoot somebody, even if it was a criminal in my house, I'd still have to live with something. I that's me personally. I'm not, no, I'm not yeah. saying anybody else, but I. I almost feel at this point my life, and I'm at—I know I'm a little older, so—but my life is not as valuable as the person that maybe I need to understand Hmm. better about their lives. So, yes, is God being vulnerable here? I think yes, but I do think He's helping us see the incredible privilege that we have of carrying his name. I really yeah. like that, Jeff. I really like that because you're right, it's not just vulnerability. It is the the you know, the Bible tells us there is power in the name of Jesus. There's power. And so you know, one of the beautiful things about a social security number is it opens up access to credit, to finances. Mm-hmm. If you can if you have somebody's social security number, you can 
co-sign things mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. And so the cool thing is God's given us a, the, his social security number in the sense that we have the, all the power that goes along with that. The resources, all of his resources are open to us through his name. Yeah, isn't that isn't that in a cool thing? And That's so, a cool thing to think about. If you think about it, that really adds to the power of why you wouldn't want to take his name in vain, rather than looking as just don't do it. Yeah. Thinking, well, why would you ever want to recklessly use or speak something that has that much power and usefulness, and just flippantly use it? It's you know. You would not. You would want to protect that. You would want to. It's a it's a valuable resource, resource. that you don't want to to see be damaged. Yeah. The yeah. the quote that you said that you had quoted Rabbi is it? Well, I'm probably going to get this wrong. Pesach. Pesach. Yeah. And he said the there was two parts. He said in Judaism, name is not merely a conglomeration of letters put together as a convenient way to reference someone like Hello Ken. Ideally, it is a definition of the individual, a description of his personality and an interpretation of his traits. So how does God's name take on that that last sentence? How does that how does it take it on for us that we should look at that uh, even with the social security ref, uh, yeah in, in that I thought that uh, Stanley actually said something interesting for once during our. Um, <laughs> see if he's Stanley, listening. You'll see if he's listening to Maybe this. He's a glass against the no, no, Stanley said something I thought that was really insightful and useful, and and I thought, well, that would have been a good thing to add to the sermon, but I'm glad I was able to leave that out there for him to use. But <laughs> the word in the Hebrew for God, one of the words is the word Yahweh. Yahweh. Yeah, that's right. And there are theologians that believe that, that's, that uh, there were no vowels in the Hebrew language, and so nobody really knows for sure how that name was pronounced, and the Hebrews were very the Israelites were very careful about not using that word out loud, and so nobody really knows for sure. <laughs> but Hebrews, there are Hebrew scholars that do believe that it is the sound that's made by breathing in and breathing out. Mm, so yeah. that it's this kind of you know, this Yahweh, you know, this, this in the out, and so it's, it's which gives the whole that God put the breath of life into us, and that would mean that God put Himself into us, and that because I believe it's John that says that in Him is life, without every Him breath, there is not, you yeah. know, and so every breath is this life that He, really cool. and that you know when you stop breathing, it's not long before brain activity stops, the heart stops. So when you start talking about the traits of God, um, that God's name even in the Hebrew sense of that word, denotes this this just everything to it, this breath. And so I, I thought that was really a, a great illustration of just how powerful that name was, that it, it wasn't just simply a, just a bunch of letters put together. Yeah. It really was this... this good yeah. job, Stanley. Yeah, right? That's really <laughs> I admit, good. I totally missed it. I was must have been heading back. Usually about that time, I'm heading back to the camera, and I missed yeah. the last little bit of Q&A, but that's, that's really yeah. good. It's powerful, isn't it? Like well, that. and it resonates, actually, with what we've just been talking mm-hmm. about, is there is a vulnerability in that piece, in the fact that we could just take our breaths for granted. Mm. But try holding it, you know, (laughs) and then all of a sudden you realize how vital it is to your existence. And so that, that piece does, it kind of gives that, that awe, that respect, that power in a sense of being, that's my life right there. You guys are teeing these up left and right, because (laughs) my next question can set the, the last one up, but 
you, you talked about the ba- like the the awe and the wonder of God that we have, and how do you see that balance though between that awe and wonder and respect versus the value we place on a personal relationship? And not that I don't, not all my friends. I, how many friends do you have that create awe and wonder in you? I, I don't have a lot of those that I'm just like super awed by what they are Maybe or you can who, stop and, and get, be, get better get, get better friends. <laughs> no, I mean, bit, no, but, no, no, no. They say you are the sum of your three best friends, Randy. So Maybe Jeff and I are seeing here, so you may want to think uh, rethink this one. And maybe but they're it, going, Hey, wait a minute. <laughs> wait a minute. <laughs> but I, I mean in, in a God scale where you you stop and think about how like the things like Yahweh, if the, the breath and these things that we can't totally comprehend, but we know they're way ab- above and beyond us. But they're also they they do they leave us in wonder and awe. And I see things that Heather comes up with with unique ways to pray and to connect with God. And I go, wow, that's amazing. And then if she can think of that, and not that she's not a brilliant person, but just a human like the rest of us, thinking of ways and finding ways that God has talk to your heart to connect, whether that's through prayer or even your vocation, how you look at things. And you see all those little pieces and go, wow, that's amazing. And then you think, whoa, God is like all this much more amazing. And I'm trying to have this personal relationship, which I almost feels like, well, I'm, yeah, I want to talk to him like I talk to a friend, but I there's nothing that I talk to my friends about normally that's just like, Whoa! Yeah, that just takes your breath away, or that just makes you go. I don't even know what. I don't even know what to say to this. Yeah, and I, I think, wonder how we balance that view of him versus just letting in the awe or the wonder. I think that's the piece. You know, we in our arrogance, all of us could sometimes <laughs> turn out to be an atheist. You know, because we, you know, sometimes we put God, we put ourselves in God's place. Or yeah. We think that our reasoning is, you know, higher. But when I look at the awe piece that you're talking mm-hmm. about, and and all of a sudden I look around, I see, you know, we science I think does a great job of understanding God. There is absolutely in no way in my mind, and I can't, I can't figure out God. That's why, you know, once we try to rely on our own intellect, our own understanding. It, be, it breaks down real quick when you start to realize <laughs> yeah, the does. intelligence behind our universe or the intelligence of a cell or how all of these things. And to think of all this awesome side of who God is, his in one, you know, really he's trying to help us understand, look, I don't think that it's, it's about the fact that, oh, by the way, God did this in one word. And no, I think what he's trying to tell us, he's saying, look, you don't understand my creative power. You don't understand any of my power. <laughs> yeah. But all that you see can be done by me in one word. All, that can be done by me. I don't, you know, I don't know how God did it. I don't understand it. But that's what keeps me from being an atheist because I can't assume that my intellect or my – and by the way, those of you that are out there listening – Try to match up your intellect. Is high. Some of you may think you're pretty smart out there, and you probably are. <laughs> but match, match that up to, etern- to under- on how we understand eternity back and eternity forward and where all this came forward, and it starts to make us look pretty insignificant. Pretty primitive in those ideas, yeah. yeah. I really like that question that you put out there, Randy, because it, how do you reconcile an intimate friendship – 
mm-hmm. with awe and wonder, right? I mean, yeah. we tend to kind of want one or the other, or we kind of see them a little bit exclusive. And I think for me, the easiest metaphor in my own personal life, and I think I w- I'm exceptionally blessed. I have a really good dad who I really respect and admire. And I think that one of the things that helps me understand God is that I always had a, a pretty healthy um, fear of my father, um, <laughs> if you will. I knew that I knew yeah. I knew unequivocally that my dad loved me, but I also knew unequivocally he was not going to be slow to spare the rod if it was needed. <laughs> um, if he was not going to be slow to correct me, but I always knew that when he did it, it wasn't because he was angry or being malicious or trying. And so I've always viewed my dad as as someone I really respect that I have a a deep and intimate relationship with, but I've always somewhat shied away from the the idea of him. Like some people say, oh, my dad's my best friend. I don't know if I'd go that far with my dad. He's, he, he's a, I love him, but he's my dad. He's in his own category of of who he is. And so when I try to understand God, that's kind of probably where I put God in. Is is God my is Jesus my best friend? I tell people that all the time, but is he kind of in a different category to a certain extent? Maybe he is, because there's just an awe and wonder to the person who helped create you. Yeah. And to the person that um <laughs> As my dad liked to say, I brought you into this world. <laughs> take you I'll out. take you out. Um, so, but you know, but there is a certain awe and wonder, and I think there should be. I think that when we look at God, I think we devalue the relationship when we see Him merely as a friend. That's not. Yeah, no, for and, sure. And, and I, please notice, I said merely. Uh, God should be a friend. Uh, God, I think, desires friendship with us, and yet I think that. If we see him just as a friend, we miss out on some of the beauty that we could have in our life if we viewed him also with awe and wonder as the creator, almighty God, and that we walk, uh, take our shoes off when we're walking on holy ground because we recognize there's something just beyond normal friendship there. And I think we also, and I think that the other part we need to, that, that people people tend to like to go into one ditch or the other. It's like, well, he's my best friend, or he's all awe and wonder, he's ununderstandable, he's not a friend. Just, <laughs> And I think you miss out on that end of things, too. If, sure. you, if you don't view God as a friend, if you don't view him as longing for intimacy with you, you've missed out also on an incredibly important dynamic of God, that when we look at the scriptures, we see God often referring to himself as a lover, as a mother, as a father. So we need to understand God in that in that sense, too, that there's there's deep intimacy, and yet there it should be awe, wonder, and mystery involved as well. Yeah, and I, think, I actually think that that actually plays into the whole idea of not just our relationship with God, but how it actually bleeds into our relationship with others as mm-hmm. well. Because there still needs to be a level of awe, even in our casual friendships. Mm, yeah. yeah, and as soon as you know, I've you know, I see it in couples a lot from the standpoint of as soon as I say, "Oh, I know my, I know exactly what my partner is going to do. I know exactly how they're going to respond." Or I, as soon as you come to that level of I don't need to know anything more because I know it all, that's when that relationship starts, and we see it all the time. That's when that relationship starts to become stagnant. Yeah. Because there's no more discovery, there's no more mystery, there's no more awe. 
So I think these that's what God's trying to say to us here too, is he's saying, you will never understand me totally. You'll never understand me even close actually, but I want to be that intimate friend with yours. I and like I like that, that, Jeff. I think that because I, I like that because I think what you're saying too is in a relationship that we do have that personal relationship with, you can get in a rut. Right? Yeah. Like we're, oh yeah, well here we're gonna pray and we're gonna do this, we're gonna do that. But think of your spouse when you start to think that you know your spouse or you know how they're gonna respond. And you might be right a lot of the time. Just because, you know, we all have personality traits that tend to go with us in certain situations. And you know you've you might be right for that day, I'll right? <laughs> and, and you've and you've seen those situations yeah. over the course of how right. many decades. And so, yeah, if you're a betting person, you might get luckier more than you don't. But at the same time, it almost like you take the permission for the other person to grow. That person no longer gets to grow. That that person doesn't get to change their mind anymore. They don't get to gain knowledge on any subject because. They're not going to change. I know what's going to happen. And I think it's almost that attitude that pushes them away. Mm-hmm. And the same with God. If we if we're, if we have just the wonder, but we don't allow, because that's just almost things we can't quantify. But the relate, personal relationship we can. I laugh with God all the time because there's things that I see in my kids that I directly remember doing as a child and thinking, you know, I got away with it. I got this, I got that. I got this all figured out and going, Oh brother, like God, like you remember like, like this day. And when I did this on, I can't tell you what day it was, but I remember it in my mind and like, you know, and we, 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 I I think he laughs with me. I think he has no choice but to laugh with me. And we, we have these little, these little moments where it's like a friendship, but then he delivers on his promises that you don't even know you have need of. And then you go, whoa, now that's pretty cool. That's pretty awesome. There's the on the wonder that I wasn't expecting. I could have never have guessed. And so we, as we learn more about God and you look at it in reverse and think, I think that's exactly what right. you're saying is we just get in those ruts and it's it's can be easy to do that. What's the one thing about number three that we just want to go, okay, this is this is what I want you to this is what I want you to remember. If you if you forgot everything else, what is it about three that we should walk away with and and hold and hold on to most dear? What you say and how you act matters mm. in relationship yeah. to God. Absolutely. And that's uh boiled down to the very lowest common denominator, that's still pretty much a gut punch. Even if you think about it that way, that every time, every day, every minute, every Things matter, you know. The, the, it's not, and it's not just about how you're affecting other people either. It's right. the the what you say and how you act has a direct impact on you, yeah. And the way that you view God, when you use God's name flippantly, when you when you say things about His character that you pretty much know aren't true, when you yeah. when you behave yeah. in a way that isn't what He would want, those all th- have impacts on you. They take away from your sense of relationship with your Creator. And so it's not just that you're impacting negatively the world around you, which you may be, but you're impacting your relationship with your Creator. And so what you say and how you act in your relationship with God matters. And you'll find that out that it matters in all your other relationships, too. It does. But uh, that's uh, that's good to remember. We did have one question from Q&A that we didn't get to on Sabbath, and that was from— And here's what I love about that one, I do believe. What's that? 
I believe that one came in from somebody who watched the service later on in the day. Oh, yeah, really? Yeah, because uh, Tammy texted it to yeah. us late. Oh. This one came in, I think, in the evening. So what I want to say is awesome. Thank you. If, yeah, you're, if you view our service later, I think there's probably a temptation to think, well, why turn in a question? <laughs> Listen, it's already yeah. done and over. But here's the reason why, because we'll talk about it on the podcast. That's yeah. right. When we say, like, like, literally, if it comes in before, we have had one that texted to me as we were sitting down, and we also answered that one. So you've got till Tuesday Depending on the Tuesday, <laughs> uh, you know, sometime between noon and five yeah, before right. there. We usually four o'clock. We try to go before then. But this was for someone who wanted to remain anonymous, and they asked, "How does Matthew twenty-one, where Jesus flipped tables over, fit into acting like Christians?" It seems there are times where anger turns into passion to do what is ethically correct. <laughs> I mean, if it was Jesus, is there any question that it was ethically direct uh, correct? Well, I think it's, uh, you know, I hope I'm going to be answering the question in the direction that the person wanted it answered, but I, Matthew 21, overturning the tables, has everything to do with God's name being taken in vain. Mm. Basically, yeah. what was happening in that temple is that people were being swindled out of money. They were being given an image of a God that was very materialistic, that wanted their money, and that was willing to cheat them out of their money to get to, yeah, to have financial gain, and that is a pretty ugly picture of God. It's it's basically if you've got money, you're good. If you don't have money, oh well. Sorry about that. And yeah. so it made God, it made Jesus angry because God's name was being taken in vain. Yeah, by these people in God's own temple, and so God. God, Jesus, did something about it, yeah, and um, it did turn into passion. That's how passionate Jesus took God's reputation, God's name to be. He uses the uh, the text, I believe, out of Isaiah that says that you have turned my house into a den of thieves. It was supposed to be a house for all the nations to come and worship, but you, you've turned it into something ugly and 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 obscene, and so. So Jesus really cared about that, and so yeah, are there times where um, certain behaviors that we wouldn't normally expect to to see, God says, yeah, that, that's probably the time and the place for it? Yeah, absolutely. Well, let's hope we don't see Ken flipping tables anytime soon over at Whole Life. Coffee tables. <laughs> Coffee tables. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Coffee table, decaffeinated coffee yeah, yeah, tables. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Actually, I, I, you know, I think we always raise that this is our only, and you know, we go to the, oh, Jesus got mad, or Jesus, you know, we always <laughs> go to that. And I do think that, you know, as we as we see this, by the way, the gospel writers, Matthew, Mark, and Luke, use this as the kind of the thing that kind of broke the camel's back, so to speak, and they started to plot against Jesus. They're gonna, we're going to get rid of this guy. But- I think Ken's absolutely right. This is about the third commandment. It really correlates well. By the way, I've <laughs> I'll, I'll tell I've I've had to work with anger. I've always thought anger was a really bad emotion. Yeah. It's a useless emotion. Many people believe it to be true. Yeah, to be true. As, as a matter of fact, uh, you know, you need to go work on you know your anger. And sometimes people do need to work on their anger. Sure. Not because it's a wrong or a bad emotion, but because they out, you know, they kind of act out. Use it inappropriately. In an appropriate inappropriate way. This yeah. is highly appropriate. Yeah. 
and and it's a it's an important piece of understanding. As a matter of fact, if Jesus wouldn't have done that, then we probably wouldn't understand the depth of this third commandment. Yeah, yeah. that's well, and I think it's us usually trying to go. Oh well almost justification well this was right. you don't have any idea this was righteous anger you don't know the, you don't know all the truth and i'm not going to gossip about yeah, it yeah most most of the time my anger is not very righteous right so most no, of the time not. my anger is because you made me look bad or right. you did something that made me uncomfortable or you did something to me it's not about caring about the other yeah it's about caring about my comfort you've you know you've messed with with me and what I find to be comfortable in my life. You've you pushed me out of my comfort area. And so yeah. I think that when we look at Jesus, we don't see somebody who's angry because his he's mean he's angry because he's seen people being pushed away from God, being held back. Remember how he tells in another place he says, you know, suffer the little children to come into me and don't keep them away. We're all children to God. And so anytime God's children are being kept from him, Jesus takes exception to that. Yeah. And we should too. Yeah. We should, and that's one of the reasons why we do things the way we do them at Whole Life. It's one of the reasons why you will see people at Whole Life that may not fit your stereotype of people who should be in a church yeah. or should be given the opportunity to be a part of church services. But we don't believe that. We believe that all of God's children are wanted and needed and are should be a part of the family and that belonging... Yeah. Belonging comes before anything else, and people have to feel like they belong and that they're wanted. And so that that comes before changes in their life. It comes before anything else. And so this is what makes God passionate. It should be what makes us passionate, taking barriers out of the way of people getting access to God. Because people, what happens is we pit people on the outside of the temple— and we say, come to a human being who's going to help you fix your problem, and then you can come to God, and then we'll let you in into God's into God's presence. Yeah, and yeah. that's a backward process. Come to Jesus, the only one who can really change you, and then go ahead and worry about the, the that other stuff. But it's Jesus that changes. It's not Ken that changes people. No. It's Jesus that changes people, and hopefully, God works through me. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah. the point is. We make a big mistake when we keep people on the fringes and we think that we can fix them and then they'll be good enough to come to God, or they can fix themselves and then they'll be good enough to come to God. <laughs> it's God that does the changing. <laughs> no. And so we the, yeah. people need to be allowed into God's presence. And and then it's interesting how God changes people in his time and his way on his schedule. In ways um, you might not have guessed. Yep. I love it. Well, and that was one of our whole life reflections. Good asked, question. You know, great question. Is there a time you've ever seen someone act in a way that kept someone else from liking God? And I mean, I think we've all seen it. We've all seen worse where it takes someone and it puts them so far the other direction that, you know, short of a miracle, how in the world would they ever come back to find God after the representatives have of him have totally blown it? And, you know, not stood up for it like Jesus did in the temple and said, look, this is not who God is at all. This is not what he's asking for. This is not who he cares about. This is not how he goes about his business. And yeah, if you really want to make it personal, you can say, can you think of any times you have oh, yeah. put your own name in there? And it's it's easy for me to think of all the ways other people yeah. have, have yeah. kept me away from God or kept people I love. 
it becomes a little bit more of a painful exercise when I put my name in there and I start thinking about places where I've been a stumbling block or got in the way of somebody else. And I have, and yeah. I'm not proud of it. And it's one of those things where those are the things that we shouldn't, I don't think we should beat ourselves up or spend a lot of time, but they are the things that should keep us humble and, and reminding ourselves that when other people do hurtful things, we have too. Yeah. And that's where we can find empathy, grace. And it's it's like Jesus said, the person who's been forgiven much forgives. Much. The one who hasn't doesn't. Well, as soon as I read that, I chose it, one, because I thought it was the best one and really fit in well. And the other one was because the first person that I thought of is someone that I've had a conversation with that, you know, no longer talks to me and for good reason. And this was a long, long time ago. And I've tried to make amends and they'll have none of it. And I don't blame them. It was a time when you think you know everything or you're you're kind of in a hot spot with God. So you're on fire and you know, and it just, it all comes out wrong. And it's, you just can't reel it back in. It doesn't work that yeah. way. And when you think of that, it really is really is something to think about. So if there's something you'd like to add, a question you want to have answered, 407-965-1607, as you just heard, you can rename, remain anonymous. Why is that so hard to say? <laughs> or podcast at wholelife.church, and we'll catch it next week on next week's episode. We'll never leave a question behind. Like, no man left behind, no question left behind. That's a promise. It may take us a month to get to it, but we'll, well get there eventually. It's happened in the past, yeah. so it has happened, but we won't, I promise. We, we won't leave, and we haven't just, done it. Just quick shout out. Easter weekend, right? It is. Easter weekend. It so is. we'd Here love we to see you at church. And uh, this, uh, this we have a very special program. In fact, this morning was going over with the worship team, all the plans that have mm. come together. It's going to be amazing. Sounds so wonderful. just uh, invite you to Whole Life Church. Uh, invite your friends, invite your family. Uh, be at Whole Life Church this Saturday, 930 in or noon. noon yeah. um, those two times That's are... Eastern uh, Standard. And I would just say, if you want to be sure to have good seating inside the sanctuary... <laughs> Barbie told probably, you how to do it. Probably the early... The, the 930 one's going to be the one that... Uh, mm-hmm. But now that I say it, who knows? Maybe that'll be the one that's overcrowded. <laughs> I don't know, but... But well, uh, but yeah. yeah, but be there. And uh, the other thing I think, Jeff, that we ought to go ahead and also just plug is we have our ministry fair going on for the last weekend. And yeah. I think it's worth just saying that, you know, one of the values that we have at Whole Life is service. That's one of the things that is a part of the DNA of Whole Life Church and being a part of Whole Life Church. And so this is a great yeah. opportunity to find ways that you can be of service at Whole Life Church. Yeah, and if you think that it, you're not going to be included in that piece and the service only happens in the building, that's not true. We actually have online service opportunities. Yep. Lots of ways to be involved. There was a yep. lot of people at the tables last week when I was when I was here, so I'm sure it will be equally as much. And, yeah, first service is kind of my favorite anyway. It's, we get to see Ken take the rough, uh, the rough version and meld it all into something. <laughs> you know, second service, you get a chance to kind of redirect if you need to, but first service is more fun. You huh? just never know what's going to happen. Yeah. Second, you've already, you know, you kind of, it's like, well, yeah, now he's he's calm, he's relaxed. I like the, I like the more anxious Ken in the morning. Ooh. He's not like- So you feel like there's a difference between my- there is. In the way that I present. Like, I'm more laid back for second service. Well, yeah, second service is just, and that's just human nature. You're just a little more relaxed because okay. like, yeah, I've already been through it. I made it through. Yeah. What could possibly go wrong? First service, you know, you never know. It's just, it's, it's more intrigue. See, so the interesting thing for me is I actually prefer first service myself. Yeah. Yeah, because it's fresh. It's the first time around. The second service for me is like, uh, I'm going to, because I'm the type of person, I hate preaching the same sermon twice. (laughs) Twice, I really do. And it's not that, I mean, obviously I do it every week, 
but it's, it's well, but but some people would say I don't preach the same sermon <laughs> twice every week. Well, in and some if degree. you want to know why, actually, I you do bored. change things up. <laughs> I do. Yeah, you yeah. do. But so yeah. you know, Barbie told you to be there at first service because it probably will be less crowded. So definitely do definitely come to first service. That was a little shout out to my Pro girls tip. who did the uh, the announcements last week via Barbies. So, uh, and then one final thought: Ken said at the end of his message, "What we say about God through our words and actions either brings us and those around us closer to God, or pushes us and others away." And that's what we just said before that. But one extra time never hurts for the people in the back and for the guy talking behind the microphone. It's always a good look inward. So, Easter, the rest of Jesus. Don't miss it this week at Whole Life Church. Thanks for listening, everyone. Share, share, share. Continue to do it. Lots of lots of downloads and listens we've seen in the last couple of weeks because you guys are sharing it. Absolutely love it. Have a great week.